the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yeah, 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 I'm poisoned. Only to the left, babies. Otherwise, I'm sweet. And it go down good, leaving no bad aftertaste. (laughs) Glad to have you guys here with me tonight on this day, this Monday. My favorite day of the week. Y'all usually love Fridays, but you know what? After the weekend, I'm ready to get back at it. Ready to come back in the studio and just share this time with you guys out there. The best people On the planet, my dear family and friends out there listening on the airwaves, whether you're listening in your car, whether you're listening on and or watching on TheAnswerSanDiego.com or we're streaming live on the Facebook page at The Answer San Diego. And you could also, whether or not you even listen in days later on any of the apps like Spreaker or I don't know what all the apps kids are, wherever you download your podcast, you can find The Andrea K Show. And so it's just an honor. 888-344-1170. The question for you guys today, um, y'all know I am kind of poisoned in the sense that sometimes I do topics and I do things and I have opinions that aren't necessarily shared uh, or a part of the conventional wisdom. And so I might, uh, uh, the question we're pondering today on Martin Luther King Day is whether or not his legacy should be remembered the way it has been traditionally according to conventional wisdom or is it time to reevaluate it all these years later? And I've got a, a guest tonight who you're going to want to tune in for, Vince Elliott Ellison, Everett, Vince Everett Ellison. I love three-word names. I just love that so much. Uh, he's going to be here to share why he thinks it's – y'all wait for it. You know what? I'm not even going to tell y'all because you may change the dial. He's he's here to question and, and share with you some ideas as to why maybe it's time 50-something years later or however many years it is later to reevaluate Martin Luther King's legacy. But I want to hear from you, what you think his legacy should be. We all know the famous speech. We all know the the untimely, sad, devastating death. But all these years later, do you think it's time for his legacy to be reevaluated? 888-344-1170? Or do you say, no, look, um, he's a legend. There's no need to question anything about what he was about, who he was, what he did, and what his legacy is. The, the phones are open for you. Of course, we've also got to share with you all what happened in Texas this weekend. Because if you're watching the mainstream media or the legacy media, you still might be getting lied to. So we're going to share with you guys that. And speaking of lies, we've got more updates to give you guys uh, from Fraud, Fauci, and beyond. Before I go any further, i got to bring in this man it's my partner in crime, including all things food. It's DJ Taterskins. It will include and across the board. DJ Taterskins. Did you say food? Yes, yes, yes. I, I'm right here. <laughs> okay, so, um, all right. So y'all know where I've been standing for, for many years. Uh, one of the reasons why I started doing the show was because my concern, which was actually, um, I actually got into radio um, before September 11th. Uh, my, my, I got into politics uh, many years ago, or not got into politics. I became obsessed with politics as I saw as a, as a teenager. I began to be concerned about the con- convergence, the confluence, the coming together the, uh, between the Islamist as well as the Democrat Party. That's something that's been a through line for my show. So then, of course, I started years ago going, stop using this hashtag, never forget. I don't want to see anybody using this hashtag, never forget. I was saying this like four or five years ago. 
because we had clearly forgotten as a nation and we have forgotten so far as a nation to where we now have when we have an Islamic terrorist attack of which I don't believe I've still heard anybody say those words an Islamic terror attack at a synagogue on their Sabbath where people were held hostage for I don't know how many hours an Islamic terror attack we still do not have the U.S. government referring to it as an Islamic terror attack that's what it was it was clear that it was an Islamic terror attack from the beginning because they knew it was a Pakistani dude who was there to to negotiate the release of, what's her name? She's like the, um, he wanted to get the Lady Al-Qaeda. Sounds pretty flashy, isn't it? Lady Al-Qaeda. Like you imagine her, you know, Lady Al-Qaeda would like, you know, the, the glam squad. Like she's the Kim Kardashian of the terrorist movement, right? Lady Al-Qaeda, he's there to get her out. Well, um... Even after, we all know the FBI came to the microphones and lied about it, right? But did y'all know that the the attorney general for the state of Michigan actually went on, I I don't know if if it was probably MSNBC. She goes on, she goes on MSNBC already knowing that it was this Pakistani dude. It had already been reported. She goes on there and says, my biggest concern hearing that it's at a synagogue, people still held hostage is that that this is someone who's intent on committing hate crimes and an act of domestic terrorism, and it's not just a random person who wandered into a synagogue. Of course, it wasn't a random person who wandered into a synagogue. She goes on to brag about how this is the kind of stuff for why the FBI and the DOJ developed this new domestic terrorism unit. Yeah, see, y'all can't hear Skins, but he's already I said, oh, please. Right, yeah. She goes on to say, we're seeing an exponential rise in the formation and the membership of these extremist organizations, many of which are white supremacy or I can't even say <laughs> white supremacy organizations, and they traffic in hatred against Jews and other minorities. If it does turn out that this is the motivating factor here, it would hardly be a surprise. What's not a surprise is that immediately They rushed to the microphones. This is just like after the FBI failed to heed the warnings of the Sarnaya brothers when bodies were laying bleeding out in Boston after the Boston Marathon because pressure cookers were used. It hadn't been them crazy conservatives out the South because they're the ones that use them pressure cookers to make their, you know, chicken. After when we had some far left kook go and shoot up a movie theater in Aurora, Colorado. Oh, he had to been one of these crazy Tea Party Republicans. That's what they do. When they knew all along that this was an act of Islamic terror. She's right. This was not random. The FBI tried to act like they come to the microphones and were like, look, so far, this doesn't look like his demands don't have anything at all to do with the Jewish people. Right. Like he just won't wander in like like he thought it was the, like he thought it was a movie theater. Right. Did, did he wander in thinking that he was there to see what's playing now at the movies? Matrix Revolution, maybe. Is Spider-Man. That what, Spider-Man. Is that what he was there to do? This is astounding. The this dude's brother, by the way, is in is doing British media saying, ha, asking, how did he get into the U.S.? Why did they let him in? He's got a history of violent crimes and and ha- having a terrorist mindset. How did he get into the United no, States? Where's the yeah, this is another failure on the part of the FBI, and this was not and and shame on. I think it was, was it Gregory Abbott out of Texas who said, oh, the FBI got it wrong when they came to the microphones. No, they didn't get it wrong. That was planned. This is a cover-up. 
They wanted to deny they were doing everything that they could to try to deny that this was an act of Islamic terror. The Biden administration came out and said this was an act of terror, but they didn't say what kind of act of terror. This was Islamic terror against Jewish Americans. That's what this was. Because, oh, by the way. And, and then, then, then it had to get turned into, you know, lone wolf. Some people I'm hearing even like, um, some so-called conservatives. By the way, I love KT McFarlane. I don't, I, you know, I don't know if you guys remember who she was. She actually worked for Trump at one point. I think in that was the national security advisor. Um, she comes out today and actually gave the FBI pass saying, well, maybe the reason why they came to the microphones and didn't immediately call this what it was, said it didn't, there was no motivation was because they didn't want to tip off anybody. You know, uh, who might be a part of the network uh, involved here. That is the dumbest thing that brilliant woman has ever said ever in her career. And that takes her off. That takes her out of me considering her uh, worthy of having a part of any future administration. Because we've got to, because that's why we're in this mess. Because the FBI, how many years did we hear? It's just a few at the top. It's a few at the top. That number one, former number one radio show guy. Yeah. Oh, it's just a few. No, it's the entire organization. And they now are, they solely exist as an, as the jackboot arm of the Democrat party to go and infiltrate and try to foster. They, they, they are behind what happened on January 6th on the violence that happened on January 6th, just like they're behind the kidnapping plot of Gretchen Whitmer. They are behind efforts to route out anybody with a MAGA hat. And now who wasn't even around January 6th? They are on board with turning 75 million Trump supporters and Trump voters into being declared domestic terrorists and anybody who shares the ideology of American first. This is they are the terrorist organization, in my opinion, at this point. They are our enemy. And I'm going to say it because let me tell you. This was a cover up of what went on, and this has been going on for a while. This was going this has started back when Bob Mueller was ahead of the FBI. Right. And when he removed anything related to. Islamic terrorism from their counterterrorism effort efforts. That was bad enough. But now the FBI is working in conjunction with the Department of Justice to come after American citizens while they're giving actual terrorists a pass. Let me at least. At least they didn't bring care to the microphones, although they didn't bring care to the microphones initially like they did after Pulse nightclub because they were trying to hide that this was an act of Islamic terror. And I think they really thought they were going to have cover enough by the by the legacy media to avoid the truth coming out. So I'm just surprised that they haven't brought out care care, uh, the Council for American Islamic Relations, who usually is the first people at the microphone when we have an Islamic terrorist attack to caution us and to warn us that the most important thing we should be worried about after this is Islamophobia. And I also don't want to hear anything about lone wolves, right? That, you know, even, even the Bush administration and others were trying to tell us that the only threat we faced was from these organized groups, ISIS, Al Qaeda, whatever, as though, um, we don't have, as though we don't have a problem with individuals or that it's so rare that an individual would do something like, we don't even know who this person is connected to. But what we know is we are not safer today. In fact, we are in a far greater danger because we have an FBI and our intelligence agency that is not only looking the other way, not only, but they're actually importing them into our country, whether they imported in, I don't know how many out of the over 100,000 they brought in from Afghanistan, whether there was how many pouring in from the southern border, how many are coming here under refugee status like after Syria, we have no idea. And we don't have an intelligence community or law enforcement community that's prepared to protect us from them. In fact, you can't protect anybody from it if you can't name it. 
We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to bring in um, Vince Everett Ellison. He's author of the book, 25 Lies, Exposing Democrats' Most Dangerous, Seductive, Damnable, Destructive Lies, and How to Refute Them. And he's going to be here on MLK Day to talk about whether or not it's time for us to reevaluate MLK's legacy. Stay tuned. The Andrea K. Show, strictly adhering to and preserving our First Amendment. Follow Andrea on OurFreeNation.org. Just search Andrea K. spelled K-A-Y-E. A.K., dynamite in a dress, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. We're looking to get hooked up here with Vince Everett Ellison on the show here in a moment. Before... um. We try him again. I want to continue the discussion for a few moments about this Texas hostage Islam act of Islamic terrorism. It should be on every TV show right now. It, it, in in my opinion, it, it's not. It's just gone off the uh, off the radar here. I get that it's MLK's birthday here, but you know, um, and and hopefully we're going to connect with Vince Everett Ellison. If not, I'm going to share with you the article out of American Thinker that he, what he's got to say about it. Um, at, at this at this moment in our country, Jewish Americans make up two percent of the population, but they are sixty percent of the hate crimes in this country and growing. And at a time in which you know um, there's a lot of noise about you know we got you know the Democrats wanting to get rid of the filibuster and push through their HR one election grab on this country, and you know all the screaming and yelling over George Floyd or or you know um, Jacob Blake or any of that that it, and how you know the push for CRT in our schools because America is a racist nation, sixty percent of the hate crimes are against. Jewish Americans who only make up 2% of the population. And yet the FBI was trying to cover that up. Now, of course, I'm somebody who's been on record many times saying that I don't like hate crimes legislation. I think it seeks to, that it seeks to elevate certain Americans, certain victims over others. And this country, if you, in this country, if, um, if somebody, even, even a wanted criminal, just merely dies at the hands, it doesn't even matter how somebody dies. If we've got a person of color who dies, and the person who caused the death is white. It's automatically we got to file. We we got to have the federal government. We got to file hate crimes legislation on uh, there. So we are at this nation at the point which to me not only seeks to elevate some victims as being more important and their death, particularly if it's a murder, more tragic than somebody else's. We're mind reading. We're mind reading. There was an assumption that was made. That George Floyd's death by that creep, I don't remember the, the cop's name, I, I, you know, that it was because George Floyd was black. And I think, I think he caused George Floyd's death, but I don't think it had anything at all to do with his skin color. Meanwhile, we can have some Pakistani Islamic terrorist at a synagogue on Sabbath holding people hostage, and we're not able to get inside his brain and figure out what the motive is. Does that make sense to you? Hate crimes legislation is just one way to divide and one another form of repara- reparations and another form to ele- and, and another method to elevate some people over others. And given that that's where we're at in this country right now, I think I, I think Vince Elliott was right in his American Thinker article to question what or, whether or not Martin Luther King's legacy is good. His argument is this. He says as a Christian, he says that um, it, it says in the Bible, how will you know if somebody's somebody's the real deal, for example, or prophet? I can't remember the exact quote that he uses in his article. And Jesus says, you'll know them by their fruit. 
He's like, well, let's look at Martin Luther King's fruit, shall we? Now, I don't know if that's fair because I don't know if what's happening today and the Democrat Party and the Black Lives Matter movement, which is which is Marxist and Antifa and what's going on there today. I don't I I don't know. Or can we say that that is the legacy of Martin Luther King or the legacy of the Democrat Party? Well, he goes on to say that that uh, Martin Luther King wasn't about Marxist. He admitted he was a Marxist. And that he was somebody that worked hard. The only thing that he managed to do was help elect black Americans in office. Those belonging to quote, the same evil Democrat party that had necessitated necessitated the civil rights movement by enslaving, raping, castrating, and oppressing black Americans for over 150 years. So he's got a point there, doesn't he? Doesn't he have a point? If, if Martin Luther King's legacy was really just to, just to help promote, you know, the Democrat party, the same party, that enslaved. There's all this talk that Martin Luther King was a Republican. Well, then why was it his? Why was it that that his the main thing he accomplished, supposedly in terms of actions, was to get Democrats elected? And before Trump, what had been the success for Black Americans? He goes on to say, after 50 years of following King's failed ideology, consider these results on June 4th, 2020. The Washington Post reported no decrease in black and white citizens' wealth gap since 1968. The Brookings Institution uh, reported that in 1965, only 24% of black children were born out of wedlock. In 2020, it was 69.4%, an approximate 300% increase. Between 2019 and 2020, blacks make up 11% of the population, but 50% of all murders. He says, this is King's legacy. Why are we separating it? He's got a point. He's got a point. Um, he says the black family is weaker. The black church is more apostate. The black economy is non-existent. Black government is corrupt. Black education is terrible. Are we celebrating a failure or was this their intention? And and by questioning whether or not I would say the one thing I might quibble with a little bit is the black economy is non-existent, not under not under Trump. Under Trump, we actually had through opportunity zones, through lower taxation and lower regulation, because Trump understood one thing about the economy is that there really is no black economy or white economy. The basics of economics, math doesn't change whether or not if I've got $5 in my pocket and a black person has $5 in their pocket, they're going to go into the same, they're going to go into, you know, depending on where they live, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to buy the same, that $5 is going to go the same, right? But so Trump understood that what was troubling and holding back the economy for minorities was the same, the the same way if you're going to unleash and you're going to, you're going to rise the economy in black areas is the same way you would. And for, for a black business is the same you would for any other business, right? Ease up taxation, ease up the regulations. He created opportunity zones for black Americans. And by doing all of his economic plans that he did, and he incentivized businesses to invest, increase R&D, hire more, promote more. We had the lowest unemployment in the history for, for African-Americans in this country. We had black uh, entrepreneurship at its highest levels, of course. But, but he's right on one thing. That is not going to turn around decades of the Democrat plan of continuing the enslavement of black Americans because that's what this is about. And one of the things he talked about was, is he said, the speech that MLK gave, set in motion decades of black victimization and white guilt. He said it is recited from every classroom in America, indoctrinating future generations to believe the lie of black inferiority and the goodness of government 
dependency. He says instead of it being recited, it should be reevaluated, condemned, and placed in the trash bin of history beside the Dred Scott and Plessy versus Ferguson rulings. Because what he talks about in there is that um, he, he he talks about, and it, the speech is really long, but in general, in paraphrasing, that basically what Martin Luther King was saying was, um, you know, I, I, I will never be free until white people allow me to be free. And he said, and with this concept is that you're making blacks inferior, you're putting blacks in the position of begging, and you're basically saying that your rights come from man, not, and, and he says as, as a Christian, Mr. Ellison says, my rights come from not, from God, not from man. I think this is the most insightful thing I've ever heard anybody say in terms of analysis of Martin Luther King. Because isn't that what the core of Marxism and communism is about? I've been saying for years in this country, and we had so many, particularly as we were bumping up on this COVID, that, that Americans needed to stop thinking that you're, as soon as you're willing to think that your rights come from man, that any right that you have out there, whether it's your right to keep your own money in terms of tax, we've got Democrats pushing for high taxation. This, it, the second you're on board with that, you're thinking that, that, that man has a right to take your property away from you. As soon as you think that there's any right out there that, that any man has to take from you, right? Then, then you're giving up your life. You're, you're giving full control over your life to those men. And we had already versus thinking that your rights come from God. If you believe that your rights come from God, this is why communists want to take God out of society, right? Because they want you to be subjugated to man. And we had already gone after 50 years of, and this is not just MLK's legacy, but the legacy of the Democrats and the Republican Party, inch by inch, it's been a death by a thousand cuts of the American people being conditioned over and over and over to think that, that we have to ask permission. And you can't even open up a lemonade stand in California anymore without getting a permit, right? That's asking permission of something. This idea that we, that we have to beg now to let some, for some elected official at some level of our government to, to, to allow us to do something. We are already down the road of communism. And, but, and so where I would disagree with him on is I don't think that this is just Martin Luther King's legacy. But clearly it, 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 it is his because that's exactly what he was talking about in this speech. At one point, Ellison points out this one of the most important parts that they have in this in the speech is when he talks about how um, they're telling telling us that we got to pull ourselves up from our bootstraps. Well, we don't have any boots. And that was about creating this entitlement, this society where somebody has to give them something. Meaning, and if you think that you can't survive without somebody giving you something, that's a, that's a mindset of inferiority. I'm not going to be able to exist. I'm not going to be able to survive unless somebody gives me something. No, that was not the right message for this country. I don't know that I think so much that the entire speech should be scrapped. I think that that's extreme. I disagree with him when he says that the line that one of his most famous lines is, I have a dream one day that... I don't can't remember exactly how he says it, but that um, you you pulled some quotes today, Skins, and I I didn't want to play, but you heard the most recent uh, listen to most recent excerpts from the speech. He talks about that that his children uh, that um, 
his children would play with other children. And it is how did he how does he say? Can you paraphrase it for me, Skins? Do you remember exactly? Well, what Ellison is going on to say, y'all know what I'm talking about. He says that, that you know, my, my children would be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character and that, that his children would play with other white children, right? Yeah, that's pretty much what he, what he said in the speech. That's pre- uh, Ellison takes quibble with that because he says that that sets the stage for people to beg other people to, to accept them. And we, we, free people don't do that. Free people don't live their lives with the mindset of I've got to be loved by somebody else. Um, and he's got a point there, right? Because if you think about cancel culture today, are we not, do we not have a problem in society to where people have to, people have to not only tolerate other people now, but they've got to like other people. They've got to validate other people. This concept that others within our society have to validate us or something's wrong with us is part of the major problem we have right now. Isn't that a part of cancel culture? Hey, I don't need you to agree with me. I don't care if you agree with me. I don't care if you like me. Newsflash, one of the hardest things you have to learn as a child is not everybody's going to like you. And whether it's because they don't like your personality, which was often, <laughs> I, was, I was kind of a big mouth when I was a kid. I used to argue with my teachers over stuff when I was a kid. You know, not everybody liked me, right? Oh my. True. So this idea that um, it sounds great in theory, right? I want my kids to be judged by the content of their character. Well, why are we worried so much about, about other people liking us? That's what he's saying. Because the reality is, is you can't force, we are never going to be able to force any group of society to appreciate, love, want, desire another group. And that was setting the stage for a lot of problems for us in this country. Let's fast forward. Let's fast forward. Now... It's not enough that you think, okay, you want to change your, you know, hack it off and call yourself Sally instead of Steve. Fine. Now, if you're a dude, you better be willing to date Sally or something's wrong with you. Right? This is, this is where he was going. This is the extension of the idea that we have to be worried about not whether or not somebody else, how somebody else is viewing us and whether or not somebody else likes us. What, what needed to be happening in this country back then in terms of civil rights, is that there be no law on the books that elevates one person over another, period, and leave the rest out of it. Because everything, as I'm looking at it, and I thank you, Ellison, and I'm kind of glad we didn't connect with him tonight because now I'm, I'm able to give my own analysis here based upon his brilliant article, which I encourage everybody to read. This basically was, the, was the, really the beginnings of our cultural Marxist movement. People say today he'd be turning over in his grave if he saw the Black Lives Matter movement in Antifa. Wasn't this the beginning of it? You look at the Black Lives Matter movement and what their demands are. Entitlements, right? Being given, being given the boots instead of just being given equal opportunity and then go out, go out and work hard and buy your own boots, right? I, 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 I don't know. Y'all can think that I'm crazy. I know that it's not a popular opinion to be questioning MLK. Um, I know I grew up like everybody else sitting there on the anniversary, you know, watching that speech and just thinking what just an absolutely handsome man he was and how charismatic he was. Um, I don't know that it serves us to get into elements of this article um, about his private life. 
Um, but I do, but I will say, and you can read all about that and accusations about him, not just in womanizing, but physical abuse of women. You can get that elsewhere, but I am somebody that believes, and I've taken a lot of heat for this, whether it be John McCain or JFK or others that I don't, I don't subscribe to the notion of you can't speak ill of the dead. I subscribe to the notion that people should be believed, people should be remembered for how they lived and accurately. So. I don't believe in icon status simply because somebody's an icon. I believe that somebody, particularly a a well-known historical figure, should be accurately portrayed. I don't like that Trump was not being accurately portrayed, right? I mean, we've got we've got the flip side of that, right? I think that I think that we as conservatives need to not feel that we have to take the bait and that we have to lionize somebody that was just another human being and flawed like the rest of us. And be willing, just like I do every other aspect of politics and pop culture and what's going on in our country, I look at it objectively. And I say, let's look at this from, from an analysis standpoint, taking, taking, the, taking the emotion out of it. And what do we see? I see a really horrible time in our country. And I see, I see somebody who fought really hard to try to get better. Um, for a certain segment of our society. And I think 50 years later, we have to look back and say, you know what? That wasn't the right way to go. However good the intention, because it hasn't worked and it's gotten us farther divided as it fed the it paved the way and fed the way for a whole large percentage of Americans to feel angry as this article talks about, to feel resentful, to feel embittered because they feel inferior, because they have not been told that their rights come from God. They've not been told that they can achieve anything that they want to achieve. They've been made to feel angry and bitter and and hateful towards a whole portion of this country. And the results politically and policy-wise, haven't as a result of this ideology, have failed the very people that it set out to, to help. Anything you want to add before I break? All right, I'm going to break there. We come back. Got more to talk about on the other side. We're going to talk a little Omicron. Stay with me. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter and Instagram at Andrea K Show, spelled K-A-Y-E. And connect with her on OurFreeNation.org. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to welcome back to tonight's Andrew K. Show. Final thought on that: I, I I left off what I think is one of the most important lines out of this American Thinker article uh, from uh, Mr. Ellison. He says we must uh, when he's talking about uh, going forward what um, the Black Americans must do. Black men of honor must reject all condescending overtures of affirmative action, the pity of critical race theory, and the weakness of anti-racist theory from our former oppressors. We must compete earn and defend as all free men do. We need this to be taught in our schools. We need this to be told to the African-American community, in my opinion. So hat tip to Mr. Ellison for this amazing article. And the only one speaking this truth about this legacy of, he ties it specifically to MLK, but it's really the Democrat Party is an extension of MLK's legacy, by the way. All right. Um, okay, so Friday there was breaking news that um, a DirecTV, it's kind of confusing. It, DirecTV canceled or said that when One American News, when their contract is up, I think it's April, that they're not going to renew it. DirecTV is actually a part of AT&T now. I did not know that. Um, so... 
Uh, hat tip to Rand Paul today. He uh, he canceled his DirecTV subscription. <laughs> I love that. That's exactly what we should be doing. Um, I actually tried to get on the phone. I have AT&T for my cell service, and then I have regular cable for my TV. And AT&T has been hounding me to get me, I mean, spamming my phone like crazy to get me to sign up for DirecTV. Oh, I would tell him never. Well, I, I tried to, I, I, I let their, I didn't realize that's who it was because um, they're using different 800 numbers. So it went to voicemail. I actually tried. I sat on hold for like 15 minutes to call them back uh, to tell them to pump sand. And then I never could get anybody. They said we, they were experiencing extremely high call, uh, extremely high call numbers. Oh, I'm hoping it's for the reason you're thinking. I know. Did you guys see the Trump rally Saturday night? Did you watch any of it? I didn't because I've been looking for sound bites and uh, the, the place we normally go is uh, has nothing there. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I get that because I, it wasn't one of those speeches where there would be a lot of really good isolated. Well, that's why I was curious if, if it was yeah. that type of thing. But what was funny was he was talking about, I'm not going to say the boycott word about boycotting AT&T or DirecTV. Now, I'm not going to tell y'all to go boycott. <laughs> you must have said the B word <laughs> uh, like 20 times. So I don't know if that's why they were experiencing unusually high call uh, uh, um, volume on AT&T, but I intend to call them and tell them that no, I am not going to be signing up and I want to make sure they, they hear me and why, you know, even though they're promising to cut my bill in half, there ain't no way. There's absolutely no way. You think about what's going on Saturday on, on our legacy media, on mainstream media, where they're actually pushing out in the middle of a hostage situation where Jewish Americans are held hostage. They're pushing out that it's white supremacists in this country. We, ha- you know, they want to get, ne- hat tip to Newsmax, by the way, because Newsmax today did, did a lot of stories on this. And they said, look, we know that One American News is our competitor, but we need, we're, we don't, we're all for having good competition. And you think about the danger of this. Then at the same time, it, it, coincidentally, at the same time, supposed 270 doctors had signed a petition <clears throat> to try to get Joe Rogan taken down off the oh, Spotify. I heard about this, yeah. Now, look, I don't know much about how these apps work. Um, shameless plug, download my podcast. I'm on Spotify, but I never go on Spotify. If I'm going to go on to listen to podcasts, I go to Spreaker, and you can find my podcast there. So, um I don't know how they make their money. I would imagine they sell ads, right, for people to hear Joe Rogan's show on there, right? So if you're Spotify, you're probably going to need more than 270 when he's got an audience of like, I think his... I think his show that he had with Robert Malone had 40 million people oh, yeah. listening. 200 is far. <laughs> I'm going to cut that. His average his av- average listenership is like 11 million and CNN has like 800,000. So it's like I, it's preposterous and funny and comical that they thought they were going to get him pulled off of Spotify with 270 names. Right. But then there were like 270 doctors ask you to pull Joe Rogan's in the name of public health. We, we just beg of you, please. So then um, they start delving into I it. Think if it's not the, it's one of Spotify's biggest podcasts. Oh, well, it's got to be the, I think it's the biggest. I mean, I, I think Adam Carolla may have a bigger yeah, pod. Right. Maybe. Oh, they called him a menace to public health. Um, <laughs> but the absurdity of this is they were the ones with the misinformation, there was not 270 doctors. In fact, the two, the two main people behind it were um, a Jessica Rivera, who has a master's degree. She's not even a doctor. And uh, Ben Ryan, who is a Ph.D., 
who does research in psychiatry. So we're not even, we're, these aren't even doctors on here. They, they said in the letter, as physicians, we bear the arduous weight of a pandemic that has stretched our medical system to its limits. And it calls for Spotify to censor. This has just produced so many laughs. Oh, Jordan Sashel said, the horse doctor who runs Pfizer is not on the list, but it does in fact include <laughs> three veterinarians. For Five Times August tweeted out, so if 270 health experts tell Spotify Joe Rogan is pushing misinformation, we ought to take note. But if 61,000 health experts sign the Great Barrington Declaration stating grave concerns about current COVID policies, it isn't even a blip on the mainstream media radar. 61,000. In fact, the reason why Dr. Malone was taken down off of, of YouTube is because of what he was talking about with Great Barrington Declaration. They don't want you to know that over 61,000 doctors, actual MDs who've treated patients, actual scientists, those who those who've actually worked in the fields that have to do with creating therapeutics, including like the real doctor, the real doc, Dr. Malone, have come out against lockdowns. In fact, this was the Great Barrington Declaration that Fauci was busted in emails bragging that he was coordinating with, with the mainstream media to try to have them delegitimized. Fraud Fauci is the one that needs... The- Gosh, how he hasn't already been fired, Andrea, blows my mind. <clears throat> right. Well, getting back to Trump, look, I, I saw most of the of the speech and then I had plans and I had to skedaddle. I got to tell you, he was back to being Trump. He was Trump in... Well, it's about time. Yes. Um, I, <clears throat> he, um, he did tout a little bit. And now, unless he changed things up at the end, I'll tell you what I heard that was, that was great. Um, I loved how he, he did talk about the shots and you know what? I don't have a problem with him touting that as a success, but he did come out hard against the mandates. Good. Because he's needed to do that for quite some time. Yeah. He came out hard against the mandates. Um, and that's really, uh, there's been two areas that I really wanted to hear from Trump on. Um, oh, when he talked, he came out hard against Mitch McConnell, the areas of concern for some conservatives after hearing the Trump speech, I thought he was on fire. I thought he, I thought he was the Trump of 2015, 2016. He oh, that's funny. Huh? He was engaging. I thought he was great with the ad lib at a rally. I don't have to necessarily hear at a rally all the details that I need to hear. Um, I just want to hear, you know, the high points. And there's a, there's a whole lot to get to get to. He so t- he was authentic Trump. I thought he was authentic Trump. I thought he was in phenomenal form. He was funny. He was engaging. I thought he hit all the right the right notes. Were there some things that were missing for me? Yeah, but there's time for him to get that out there. Hey, a far cry from what he has been lately. Yes, so. yes, he definitely shifted. He heard, and this is what I was saying. You know, where where when people were emailing me, I'm going to stop listening if you're Trump bashing because Brian Maloney and I went in hard on him. Look, here's the thing. First of all, um, uh, you know, I. As I said about MLK, I do analysis not on the basis of when it comes to politics and policy and and actions and action plans. I have I, I from a complete objective standpoint, I I have no emotional attachment to anybody running for office or anybody. I don't develop emotional attachments to people that are you know in a position uh, a policymaker, right? I mean, I have to evaluate them on the basis of doing a job, right? And one of the things I said about Trump 
And so when I, and, and going back his entire administration, when he, I didn't like the, the, some things he did during there and I was vocal about it. It doesn't mean I hate somebody. It doesn't mean I'm bashing somebody. When I was a sales manager, I'd bring people in my office and I, you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd give them an evaluation. I'd say, here's things that you're doing great. Here's your areas of opportunity. Here's where I need you to step up your game. Here's where, you know, here's, here's where you're letting things, you know, slip away from you and it's impacting all of us. That has to be addressed. And if you've got a good employee, they're going to hear you and they're going to pivot if they're capable and they're going to shift gears. And he did. That's what I heard. All right. Stay tuned. We're going to pick up the conversation on the other side of the break. Bringing you 21st century common sense. It's the Andrea K Show. Connect with the show at ourfreenation.org. Andrea K, the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Um, before the break, I was talking about Trump. I thought he was in rare form. I thought he did a phenomenal job. I thought he hit all the right notes. Um, there's some details I, I, I want to hear from him, which is what he would do differently. He did pivot, which means he listens to people. And he got the message that, that he needed to come out harder against these mandates instead of um, he, in, instead of just pushing the shots. I like he came out hard against um, critical race theory and the the cultural issues. We need we need more of that. Um, but I also want to hear what he would do. Will he fire Fauci? If he's going to go back and do four years of, of, of letting the establishment people and these unelected bureaucrats control our nation and he's not going to fire anybody, that's not oh, good. If he's sworn in, drain it, baby. Yeah. Like this new guy we got in, in the state of Virginia, the new attorney general, um, he fired 30 staffers day one. I don't care. I, I don't care who ends up being the Republican nominee going into 2024. They got to go in and clean house. They've got to be prepared to shut down entire departments, clean out that FBI. They're not stopping terrorist attacks. What's the point of paying all these people? It's a bunch of crap. Keep keep maybe the ones at the local level. You get rid of the ones out of D.C. I also like how Youngkin went in and I have my doubts about Youngkin. Eleven executive orders day one. He banned CRT in the classrooms. He said that parents had the right to decide on masking, not the schools. He's going to investigate Loudoun County. This is what you, you have to go in scorched earth day one, scorched earth, not go in and try to use the John McCain, I'm going to reach across the aisle mindset. That doesn't work anymore. It, well, it, it, yeah, it never this, really worked. Well, it, it might've back when Ronald Reagan was there with Tip O'Neill, but you have to understand. Not the same Democrat party. No, it's not. You have to understand what their agenda is. These are Marxist. You look at what they're trying to do to push through this, this complete s- steal, the theft of our elections. Theft of our elections. So this, these are these are these are flat out communists. And I am loving what Youngkin and this attorney general have put down. Now, some of the schools are telling telling Youngkins we're going to continue to do what we want. But this young AG, he's like, oh, no, you won't because we got a little thing called the law. So good times in Virginia and good times here. We'll see you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Peace out. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.